0: RunAsRadio.com. You're listening to Run As Radio, the Internet audio talk show for IT professionals with Richard Campbell. This is Brandon Wen announcing show number 254 with guest Mike Jones, recorded Thursday, February 2nd, 2012. Run As Radio is produced each week by PWOP Productions, providing professional media and podcasting services online at pwop.com. You can follow the show on Twitter at twitter.com slash runasradio. Thank you, Brandon. This is Richard Campbell, and you are listening to Run As Radio. Today I have uh, on the line with me Mike Jones, who has over 20 years of experience with software design, implementation, and load testing, spanning everything from commercial software to large-scale enterprise products, he enjoys getting down and dirty with the latest technology. Mike has many years of experience with .NET, SQL Server, Networks, and SANS, and for the past 16 years has been building software for the regulated healthcare market at GE Healthcare. Over the years, he has learned that Scrum makes everything better. Mike calls Vermont home and enjoys photography and long drives with the goal to visit all U.S. national parks. Welcome on board, Mike. All right, thank you, Richard. And you, sir... Have an experience that I want to have because you've made IPv6 work in your home.
1: That's right. I listened to one of your uh, previous shows where you were complaining that you didn't have IPv6.
0: Well, and I keep tinkering with could I just make sure IPv6 was enabled all within my network? You know, I think I've got about 30 machines here in the house, so that, you know, there's some possibilities there. But uh, yeah, your email talking about your experience there just made me think "Ah, others need to know. Today, right now, you can implement IPv6 at least to some degree. So uh, I I need to hear the story. Talk to me about where you started and, and where you've gotten to.
1: Yeah, so about a year ago, uh, I remember hearing that there were some uh, DNS problems on the uh, on the World Wide Web, and people started talking about DNSSEC. And I actually went out hunting for that. And about the same time, I stumbled across uh, my local ISP, uh, Comcast. Mm-hmm. And I stumbled across uh, a whole series of blogs from their technology division, and they even touted that they had IPv6 in the works, as well as uh, sort of a beta rollout of DNSSEC. Uh,
0: So you weren't even after IPv6. You were after DNSSEC. All of the spoofing problems that were happening with DNS, and just talking about, you know, DNS is just sort of an archaic protocol, really, even though we completely depended on it.
1: Comcast had rolled that out, and they said, hey, if you want to try this at home, here's how you set it up. Uh, Comcast recently rolled out DNSSEC to everybody across their whole network in the U.S. now, so everybody's using that. Um, but I kept uh, in touch with the IPv6 side because shortly after that, like I said, it was about a year ago, uh, I saw something on probably Slashdot uh, announcing World IPv6 Day last year.
0: Uh, I looked at IPv6 Day with great interest because this is, you know, where we talk about the real issue that it's not you and me that need to make this work. It's the Googles and the Microsoft and the Amazon and the ISPs that need to make this work.
1: Right. And that's the hardest part is that in order for like a small business, rep, uh, for instance, to get connected into this, you need some external infrastructure or content to get to. Right. So about a year ago, I saw probably on Slashdot a link to an announcement for World IPv6 Day. Mm -hmm. Uh, So for one day last year, all of the big companies, Google, Microsoft, Yahoo, uh, Comcast, and a bunch of others, decided that they would flip it on for one day and let all the guys in the white lab coats just watch all of it uh, go together and, and collect information.
0: And so was it your goal to be up and running by June 8th, uh, in 2011, so that you could participate?
1: That was what I wanted to do. Um, At the time, I'm not sure that I even had uh, some of the tunneling technologies. And I guess we probably should talk about that, uh, which is, what can you do if you don't have the native IPv6 into your home? Right. Uh, So what they have is a technology called 6-4, to which is a tunneling technology. Uh, that allows your machinery to talk IPv6 over a VPN on top of an IPv4 uh, address. That tunnels through, comes out the other side somewhere, onto the IPv6 native network.
0: And, it, and this pretty much is not optional. Like you, We're not going to go native IPv6 anytime soon. We're going to be doing something like IPv6 to 4 for a long time.
1: Um Probably. Uh, you know, you read Comcast blog. Uh, they claim that they already have a pilot site somewhere in California, mm-hmm. and they actually have a goal to roll it out this year across um, their,
0: their infrastructure. It does come down to the ISP. I mean, to me, it seems like a great marketing campaign for an ISP to say, hey, would you like IPv6 to the house?
1: Right, and it's certainly going to correct a lot of problems. I mean, one thing, I don't know how many people – Really, stop to think about why are we trying to do this? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, IPv four statistically, we're out of addresses. Yeah, uh, there's there's four billion addresses theoretically, not not that we can use all of them, uh, but you know, the world population is a little over uh, six billion right now.
0: I think we just tipped seven, actually.
1: <laughs> That's right, and we all have a cell phone and a laptop and whatever. So there's more people than there are IP addresses mm-hmm. to go around. So we need to move to that. I started to do the calculation in the office with all of our VMs and uh, IP phones on our desks, our laptops, maybe some people have uh, some sort of a tablet PC. We probably have four, maybe five IP addresses in use per developer. Right. Yeah,
0: a C-class isn't going to cut it anymore. Like your basic NAT router that you buy from the shop, you know, Possibly able to allocate 200 IPs, even in a small place. That's just not even, it, you're just going to fill it up.
1: Right. And I work for an A class company.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it, it's GE Healthcare. It's about as big as it gets.
1: That's right. Um, and we, we, we joke that we probably won't see IPv6 for quite a while yeah. because we don't need it. But you know, when you get down to the subnetting problem and all of the wasted addresses,
0: well, this is what we've forgotten is how many hoops we've jumped through in IPv4 just to keep it going as long as we have with the crazy subnet techniques, with the, the, the natting, all of this stuff. Like we're so far removed from the intent of IPv4.
1: Right. And I actually saw a great quote on uh, Wikipedia while I was poking around on this from the guy at DARPA who kicked off IPv4. He said this was a big experiment and he couldn't see the government needing to purchase 4 billion de- uh, devices. So this was supposed to be an in-the-lab experiment. 4 billion was more than enough to start the experiment. Right.
0: But then it leaked out, and the rest of us started using it. Yeah, it was never intended for the public. <laughs> That's you right. Know, that just wasn't, that wasn't in the plan. So, I mean, realistically here, until my ISP is offering me IPv6 to the home, I'm going to be doing something like 6 to 4. That's right, and there are other technologies. I mean, six to four is one of them, but Teredo is another. You know, NAT sixty four. There's a few.
1: Right, there's a, there are a bunch of technologies, and I have read, but I haven't used them. That mm-hmm. there are six to four uh, routing devices out there on the network that people, if your local ISP isn't providing it, that you can get to it uh, out there on the network. So, that's going to be a, a trip to Google or Bing to find those. But sure. That's supposed to be possible.
0: Now, what is Comcast? Cable modems?
1: Cable modems, yes.
0: So did you initially need to replace your cable modem for this, or was this just purely running the 6-to-4 stack?
1: Well, at first, I had a Doxis 2.0 modem. Right. That That's had.
0: the old-school old one, relatively speaking.
1: And, and I've only had service for a year, and they, they gave me a 2.0 device. Um, but uh, my first thing was upgrading the firmware on my home router. Mm-hmm. I have a Netgear N600. And about a year ago, pretty much in line with World IPv6 Day, uh, Netgear gave out a new firmware for everybody uh, that added IPv6 to one of the configuration menus on the router. Uh, you know, so I installed that.
0: And was this a router provided by Comcast, or did you buy it separately?
1: I bought the router myself.
0: Okay. So you they, they, you got a cable modem provided by Comcast. You've got your own net gear and there, there are now firmwares that are IPv6 savvy. Right. Depends on the device, of course. I, I still got a few, you know, WRT54GLs floating around like, that, cause they're basically bulletproof and I've loaded WRTDD on them. And, but if I imagine if I went and upgraded those, it's probably an IPv6 stack for those as well.
1: Right. So even though I had a DOCSIS too. Once I had the right firmware installed, I just clicked uh, auto-config, and it found the 6-to-4 uh, device all by itself.
0: Interesting. So you upgrade the firmware on your router, don't do anything to your your DOCSIS 2 cable modem, but as soon as you had that capability, it was able to, to sniff it out.
1: That's right. And then what I saw uh, since then, because I saw World IPv6 Day uh, coming up again this year, mm-hmm. w- which I should say, the, the quote for this year is, this time it's for real.
0: Because
1: <laughs> uh, like I said, last year it was all the guys in the lab coats turned it on for one day and then they packed up and went home. Uh, this year they're going to leave it on. Really? So, so everybody can start using it. You're going to have real content to go to and try it out afterwards
0: And this is now about building up participants. Just keep going.
1: Right. So, so in, in anticipation of that, I decided I would get a new uh a cable modem. Uh, they're charging seven bucks a month, and this thing only cost eighty bucks. So uh, I went right out and bought my own uh, three point uh, device and installed that just last weekend.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, cause so I now you're seen, up to DOCSIS three.
1: I'm up to three, and I had seen that you know Comcast is rolling this out, and I was hoping that it would be just like Sec, which was, hey, if you're a little ahead of the curve and you've got the right equipment. You can silently get on the network and participate. Uh, unfortunately, that that's not the case. I'm still having to use uh, six to four.
0: Okay, and and by the way, like when you switched up to the Doxis three modem, doesn't doesn't Comcast have to do something on the other end as well to to take advantage of that, or are they switching is at the same time?
1: Um, you know, I don't know. Obviously, they control the firmware on that device. Right. No, I I purchased it from. Oh, and
0: Amazon. you purchased it from them.
1: No, I purchased it from Amazon. Oh, okay. So I just, I just got it direct.
0: But Comcast is willing to take on your third-party DOCSIS 3 modem. Right. That's and good.
1: on the Comcast website, uh, there's a place where you can go and you can look at all of the capabilities of both devices that they sell and directly support or ones that you may purchase in the mm-hmm. store. And uh, they'll tell you what the capabilities of each one are. And you do need the cable modem to support IPv6. That is a capability that it has to support.
0: Nice. Yeah, it needs to be there. It needs to be able to pass this traffic through it. So it's just not optional. you got to do that.
1: Right, because you have the whole DHCP V6 and that
0: kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. In it. Which is really getting back to why are we doing this? It's not just making the internet able to have many, many more devices. It's getting secure DNS, secure D- a DHCP. Like there's all this stuff that comes naturally with the IBV6 protocol that really will help us.
1: Right, and I, I think back to some of the capabilities... I think, uh, I don't know, a year or so ago, you guys were doing a, a show, and you had some Microsoft guys there mm-hmm. who had, I think, Windows 7 laptops, and they had the native VPN right back in to their offices.
0: Direct Connect. Yeah. Yeah. And Direct Connect depends on IPv6. That's right. At least internally. like The server's got to have it running, and the client machine's got to have it running. It doesn't have to be anywhere else, but they're depending on those protocols on both ends.
1: Right. And that makes me start thinking about when we think about the cloud, what kinds of new applications are we going to be able to develop once we have this kind of technology yeah. in place and it becomes ubiquitous?
0: It really is. A, it's not just about the address space. It's about fixing the protocols that, that, you know, these old protocols come from a, a much safer, kinder world. You know, one of the, the academics and the, and the, uh, the government and now it's out in the public where, uh, there are bad people everywhere and stuff needs to be natively encrypted and protected from end to end.
1: Right. And that's all part of this standard. It, it comes with it.
0: it. Yeah. It's not optional. I think that's the big thing because we know there's all of these security features added onto IPv4. It's just that it's a hodgepodge. You don't know what version of what anybody's implemented. It's, you know, the upside to the IPv6 spec is if you've implemented it all, you've implemented all of it. And so it's consistent across everything. This section of Run As Radio is sponsored by Secret Server, the password management software for IT admins. Secret Server helps you manage local admin passwords and service accounts the right way. Get your free 30-day trial for Secret Server at runasradio.com slash secretserver. So, I mean, it sounds to me like you've got to have some level of participation from your ISP or at least get a device that's able to sniff out if your ISP is implementing 6 to 4, even if they're not admitting they are.
1: Right, and that may also be where people want to go looking for these public 6 to 4 uh, devices as well because although on my router here I was able to click auto-configure and, right. and it was able to sniff it out, you can click manual override and start typing in IP addresses and get there yourself.
0: So there are third-party six-to-four bridges out there that people can access.
1: Yes, I've I've seen them. I've never I've never tried them before.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, you didn't need to. Your ISP supports it. That's the you know, best case scenario, really.
1: Right, and where I saw them most was a year ago uh, when people were getting ready for six-to-four last year. I'm sorry, IPv6 uh, last year. Right. People were saying, "Hey, if you don't have this through your ISP, we're going to put some up uh, right. you can get to."
0: Just stand a few of them up, so that and and this is really about using IPv4 to bridge to IPv6. And these gateway—is that an appropriate term? you think? a gateway machine allows that uh, that access?
1: Yeah, I think so. I, I forget what they're calling it. You know, obviously it's just a tunnel device, so I don't know if you'd call it a you know some kind of VPN head or something right. like that. But, uh, that's basically
0: what it is. Yeah, more or less. And they, they have the whole reverse zone authority. Like it's, it's along those lines, but it still seems to me like unless the ISP is willing to play ball, we can't do a whole lot. So once you had this, I mean, you, you're working on the, the bare essentials here of your, your NAT router, your, your DOCSIS modem, what your ISP will play ball with. What did you do internal in your network?
1: Also, beyond the uh, firmware update onto the Netgear, Mm -hmm. uh, I did have to go do some stuff with Windows. Uh, I use Windows 7 on my laptop. And when I first did this, I think I actually hooked up the 6 to 4 right from the Windows PC all the way through my whole network. Um, So even if you don't have a router that's going to support this, you could actually start 6 to 4 right from your laptop and tunnel all the way through your home network and equipment.
0: So then basically your NAT router is being ignored. It's just tunneling out rather than using the NAT to do any proxying for you. Not that you, in theory, want to do proxying with the IPv6 stack.
1: Right. I always like to set up my router gear in the house so that I know everything in the home is uh, is ready to go. Right. Think about all the devices. My TV set is now on the Internet.
0: Sure. Well, and I think this is going to be part of the challenge here. It's one thing for us to walk around to all our PCs and make sure they're running an up-to-date enough version of an OS or at least an update network stack that they can turn on IPv6. But, you know, what do you do about your Xbox? What do you do about your iPhones? What do you do about your television?
1: Right. And IPv6 even has, you know, the technology in it to put the IPv4 addresses uh, in there to keep those old devices uh, talking. Right. Uh, so I have an important knowledge base article uh that really helps get it working. Like like I said at first, I think I had six before running from my laptop.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, so
1: Microsoft Knowledge Base Article 929852 uh is one of these self help ones that describes all of the possible options
0: uh that
1: you can uh you can access and and change things on your PC. And it goes into registry settings. But there's a really nice grid that they've created. And I don't know if you, how often you use these, uh, fix it, uh, installations that Microsoft has. But they have a grid here that lets you turn on IPv4, turn off uh, IPv6, enable and disable your tunnels, and uh, go through that.
0: Yeah, because they, I'm, I mean, I'm looking at 989, uh, 929852. And its title is terrible because it says how to disable IPv6 or specific components. But it actually is as much enabling as disabling, right?
1: Right. Yeah, about halfway down the page is a grid for enabling and disabling all of the different features. So the first thing I did was disable all of the tunnel interfaces. Uh, and what happened for me was using IP config, I was able to see that uh, after the reboot. My, uh, my gateway address went from being the sort of self-hosted uh, IPv6 that Windows 7 offers, which was going through its own tunnel, mm-hmm. to being the IP address of my router. Okay. Uh, and the strange part about DNS now, too, is that my uh, DNS address for IPv4, my DNS address, I can actually see the Comcast IP addresses are all 75 point something. Right. With IPv6, my DNS address is the gateway.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. So you're blinded effectively.
1: Yeah. So I don't really know where my DNS is going at this point. So, uh, but it's
0: working. Yeah. Well, and this, you know, getting back to your initial issue, because DNSSEC was actually your goal. Did you get it working right away or, you, you know, did that, did that piece work as well as soon as you had IPv6 up and running?
1: Yeah, once I disabled the tunnel and rebooted, uh, and it just connected back to the router, again, it was still working.
0: Now, is that really IPv6 DHCP providing you the right addresses?
1: Right, and it's being done by the router. So right. you know, the, the Windows 7 machine is talking to the router, and it's, it doesn't know where that traffic's going. And the router firmware that I have doesn't have a lot of information for IPv6. Um, Really, there's very little information other than some configuration parameters, whereas with the IPv4 screen, I can actually see what the router is currently connected to, where DNS is coming from, and I can override individual entries. Right. There's very little to configure with IPv6.
0: Yeah, I'm thinking in in my environment, where I actually have a number of servers that have fixed IPs onto the internet. And so I do do that rerouting of of DNS so that if you're internal my network and you request any of the address for the websites that are hosted here, you get a different IP address than if you're external to the network. I'd have to make all of that work with IPv6 to be uh, functional.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you you know, I remember hearing last year, there's some company making light bulbs And because IPv6 addresses, there are billions and billions and billions of them. Yes. They're giving IP addresses to all of their light bulbs that they're stamping out.
0: Well, this is the Internet of Things, right? (laughs) That's right. I'm still looking for the toaster with an IP address, but somebody sent me a link to a washing machine with one.
1: Yeah, and there's refrigerators uh, as well.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, we're getting to the brass taxes. If we can get all of this to work, just internal to the house. That every device in our house can now be represented by uh in the network, and we have an awful lot of power for what we can do from here. Right,
1: and that's where you know things like smart grid comes into play.
0: Yeah, well, that's another show, my friend. In fact, one we're about to record. So, how long did it actually take you to get up and running here?
1: Well, the first time I tried it, I probably spent an hour or so, and nothing worked.
0: Of course. Um,
1: so. <laughs> I even sent you that email. I don't know what went wrong, um, but after about three or four hours uh, over a couple of days, uh, I finally found the right set of settings. And I think it was actually this knowledge based article that I stumbled across.
0: Yeah, this looks like the great starting point: nine two nine eight four five two. And I'll have the link in the show notes for sure. But just turning the right things on and off, and knowing how to switch them properly.
1: Right, and finding the you know firmware. Uh, from your for your router box mm-hmm. uh, was also an important step.
0: Now, I mean, I, I also you could set this up so that I could take one machine and via tunneling just go straight out to whatever is uh, IP uh, six capable from my ISP. I could just six to four from a given machine through my network out to the ISP services. You were doing it right. You actually wanted proxying by your NAT router, wanted everybody to communicate to that, and so theoretically a more complicated setup.
1: Right. And that's the other thing is that I I did have to play around a lot with, there's several uh, test websites out there as well Mm -hmm. that you can check your configuration. So I kept going back to these over and over again.
0: Which is your favorite?
1: Um, Well, the one that it seems to be is the, that everybody seems to reference is um, test-ipv6.com. And Comcast seems to have uh, Uh, is hosting it internally as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's test-ipvsec.comcast.net. And it looks like this might be a library that's created by someone and different people are just uh, putting it up on the web. I got varying results depending upon which one I went to. Uh, If I go to the internal Comcast one, uh, it tells me I'm scoring a, a 10 out of 10 uh, but if I go to the external one, it only gives me a score of 7 out of 10.
0: Interesting. And it
1: looks exactly the same in terms of the web page. I mean, there's an exact copy of each other. So I don't know what the difference is. But that helped a lot because not only does it give you a score, but you can click a link and it gives you back a report and tells you why things passed and why things failed and gives you some examples of what might be going on.
0: Yeah, I'm just. I, this is really cool because now it's like, okay, I'll turn on the IPv6 stack on my PC, run the test again. What do I see? I turn on six to four tunneling and get, you know, connected to a host. Now, what do I see? They're just straight, able to try each bit and see if you can actually alter your test results.
1: Right. So there's twenty. There's there's a total of twenty tests, mm-hmm. ten for IPv4 and ten for IPv6. Because one of the important parts is. Have you configured your IPv6 network in such a way that you can't get back out to all of the old IPv4 stuff?
0: Right, yeah, which is always, isn't that the fear we've got? We're going to play with this and just cripple ourselves from accessing the rest of the internet?
1: Right. (laughs) Um, So one of the things that I learned, hey, now I'm getting zero for 10 on IPv6 today. (laughs) (laughs) Um, One of the things that I didn't realize was uh, DNS. And you have to set up Well, they suggest you have to set it up in your browser. I discovered it's really in Windows. You need to have your DNS services on your PC favor one set of addresses over the other. Oh. So if you do an NS lookup on, uh, I think, uh, like Comcast6.net, it actually returns, I think, four addresses, uh, two of them IPv6 and the other two being IPv4 addresses. Mm -hmm. Uh, So a machine that... Going to be dual stack needs to favor one uh, one set over the other,
0: right? So when I when I uh, use uh, uh, NS lookup and go to Comcast6.net, I get the two IPv6 addresses first, and then two IPv4s.
1: Right. right, And some of the stuff on that knowledge base article allows you to change those priorities. Right. So you so you're not just worried about which. Uh, which interface do you want to use, being um, IPv6 addresses or IPv4? But the DNS piece comes into play. Mm-hmm. Which one would you like your computer to favor over the other? Uh, some of the articles that I saw on these different websites suggested that this is a, a, a choice within the browser. They, as a matter of fact, the text is, your browser favors IPv4 over 6.
0: That seems unlikely.
1: Right. And I, I went poking around... Uh, see if Google Chrome had some new features in it. Uh, and I, I finally wound up uh, discovering that it's a feature of Windows that does
0: this. Specific, I mean, the network stack. You could sort of right. tell it one way or the other. And if you tell it to f- favor IPv4, it's always going to use IPv4. Because everybody's always got IPv4, right? I mean, I presume there's no pure IPv6 sites out there yet.
1: Well, you can go to ipv6.google.com.
0: Oh, right, which is a pure IPv6 site.
1: Right. Last year, they enabled uh, Gmail, YouTube, and a bunch of other uh, properties within Google. Uh, but they turned all of those off. The only thing you can get to is the main search page still. Hmm.
0: Interesting. But you know, yeah, presumably in the next, uh, this coming June 2012, they'll turn it on and leave it on.
1: Right. And I think that's really important because as... People try to roll this out within their smaller enterprises. You're not going to just turn on your whole network. You're going to try something, uh, see if you can get that going, get your legs under you and get the confidence. Yeah. And once that works, you start rolling it out. But in order to make that first step, you need some content on the outside to connect
0: to. To connect to. And, and, and the world's done a pretty good job of at least giving us some things. So are you starting to favor IPv6 over v4?
1: Well, as a software developer... I don't care.
0: Right. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> thinking in terms of, do I, would I rather check to see if they have a V6 address, use it, and, uh, you know, might as well.
1: Yeah, just to try it out, to see yeah, how it goes. Just yes, to I, know. I have, I have set up my machine to favor IPV6s. Um, you know, there's been some articles that I've read that suggest that we'll start having better performance. Uh, they're saying that uh, switches and routers actually have a, a easier in, an easier interface or implementation internally because these addresses are uh, routable themselves.
0: Right. Well, we get back to the way the internet was supposed to function. You know, so much so much of the way we've kept IPv4 running has impaired things like routing.
1: Right. Right. And that, I can't tell you how much routing has uh, given us headaches.
0: Oh yeah. Um,
1: o- over the years especially with the explosion of, of virtualization technologies we just have so many devices uh, that you fill up your subnet yeah and and then the next subnet's not free because it's in the other building
0: yeah because uh, so, why would we ever need more than one subnet per building what were you talking about
1: right and then in order to get more addresses you have to change all of the, you have to migrate all of the old stuff off the one up to the next free address bank so It's a lot of work to change sometimes.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can't wait to start seeing these marketing campaigns around IPv6 because this could be something that you could sell to the consumer and have them excited about. But it better be sure it works because they're not going to have any patience for it not working. I guess it's up to us for a while yet. But you've you've certainly set me on a path now to start saying, "Yeah, i got two workstations sitting in front of me. Maybe I'll set up one to favor IPv6 and one to favor IPv4 and see what happens.
1: Right, and you know, the other piece, as a software developer, uh, things that I've been learning is that with Windows 2008 and Windows 7, mm-hmm. maybe Vista as well, IPv6 comes enabled on your machine, ready to go. By default. By default. And for people who are doing uh, coding, for the most part, if you're writing, this is a very minor potential issue, if you're writing web pages and whatnot, you don't care about where your traffic came from, right. IIS or WCF or whatever has has uh, taken care of that. But if you're in an IT infrastructure and you have a lot of little applications that might be off in some back corners, IPv4 is so ubiquitous that you may have some coding mistakes where people actually assumed the format of an IP address. Yep. And you know, I've looked around on the web for some of these things. Uh, did anybody take the string, uh, split it, and then check to see if there were four parts? Yeah, um, that that won't work. And if your database where you're storing all of these IP addresses is only uh, 15 characters wide, uh, you're going to have some problems as well.
0: Yeah, getting get back to you, there's a reason we were told to use names, not addresses.
1: That's right, and that that's really the way you want to go, uh, because if you do, you know, system dot DNS, it gives you back an address list, and if your code just always went after the first entry in that array, that may very well be an IPv6 address.
0: Yep. And and if you get hard coding to all of that, you're going to be in trouble. Right. It's going to be a nasty shock. Uh, colon delimited instead of dot delimited. Surprise.
1: Right. Well, I'm hoping now that we have more content to get to, more people can start turning this stuff on and start shaking out uh, the bugs.
0: Yeah, And actually find out uh, how things work. Hey, Mike, it's been really good talking to you. Thanks so much for your insight on IPv6. All
1: right. Thank you, Richard.
0: And we'll talk to you next week on Run As Radio.